powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, the People's Bishop and Pastor of Harvest Church. We exist to lead people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations. Find out more on our website at www.harvestchurch.church or get our app by texting the word HARVEST to the number 55498. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Now, here's today's life-giving message. Let's go. I'm in my year of jubilee. I'm expecting celebration, emancipation, and restoration every day in Jesus' name. So God, we tell you that we are open and we are ready. God, we bless you. God, we love you. God, we lift you. And we have great anticipation and expectation. Speak to us, God. Come on, tell them, say, speak, Lord. We are open and we are ready in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab a seat. So let's go to work. So this series all this month is called How to Be Great. Somebody say, greatness is on me and say greatness is in me so the question is what is great great is means this it's above normal or average ability quality or distinction i need you to hear me your neighbor is not normal they are not average their abilities are not average they are not normal their quality is not normal it is not average and in fact their distinction is not average or it is not normal how do you know that because your entire life you have heard things like this you have heard people point out things that they saw about you that intimidated them and for some people I need you to be okay with the fact that they just could not handle your level of greatness I need you to be okay with the fact that sometimes when great shows up that good gets intimidated and I don't need you to bring your greatness down you just need to either have people that can come up or that are at the level you are but we don't have time to come down matter of fact I pray that for the last day of your life you would settle with project people in your life if you don't want to be great, you're going to have to get stuck on the bus that's left at the station. But I think I'm preaching to some people tonight that can say, if God has promised me to be great, I want everything that he has promised me. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not normal. You're not, 
You don't even think normal. You don't act normal. Look at you in church on a Wednesday night. That's not the normal spirit of Denver. That's not the normal spirit of this area. There's greatness that's on you, and there's greatness that is in you. That word uh, great, it means wonderful, first rate, very good, remarkable in degree, power, or intensity. It means that there is something superior about you, which means all of your hell when you're the superior is going to come from those that feel inferior. Pay attention. This is why no matter how hard you try to make people feel included you're still going to have people that call you arrogant you're still going to have people that call you stuck up you're still going to have people that say you think you're all that and you've never acted that way you've never presented yourself that way in fact if they ever would talk to you and have a conversation with you they'd understand that you their greatest asset but you gotta hear me it comes with the seat when you're the superior expect hell from the inferior when you're remarkable expect hell from those that are not remarkable when you got power expect haters that are powerless when you're intense expect all of the people talking about you to be those that are like cold water but every time you come around the temperature rises say greatness is on me greatness is in me so greatness is God's promise to us and God's promises always have process and Genesis 12 2, the Bible says this and I will make you a great nation which means everything attached to you is supposed to be great and I will bless you abundantly look at me you're not just supposed to have enough I rebuke you saying I'm good I rebuke you saying I'm straight I rebuke you saying I got enough no you need more than enough so that if your cup runs over I can be a blessing to other people with my leftovers I I need you to hear me. God does not want to bless you just so that you have enough for you and yours. He wants you so that you can sit up one day and say, you know what? I'm sick of seeing homeless people on 16th Street Mall. I'm going to go solve that problem. I'm sick of seeing single mamas and single daddies struggling. I'm going to go solve that problem. I wish there were some people in this building and online that can say, I'm not trying to just get blessed. I realize that I am blessed to be a blessing. He says, and I will bless you abundantly and make your name great. What does this mean? That your name will be exalted, which means wherever your name is listed, it will always be at the top. I pray that your name, you ready for this? Be scandal free. Let's go. I pray your name never be attached to mess. I pray your name never be attached to drama. I pray your name never be attached to foolishness. For some of you, this is why God had to cut some relationships. Why? Because you were attaching to them and taking on the traits of their name. And their name is not great. And so God had to cut the cord because your name is a name that's supposed to be. Wednesday, I'm not playing with you. Your name is a name that's supposed to be great. Let's go. I will make your name great, exalted, and what? Distinguished, which means there will be something different about your name when it's there. Your name will be attached to excellence. Your name will be attached to power. Your name will be attached to intensity. Your name will be attached. Watch me. You won't have to build a brand. You'll be a brand because your name will speak for it. I've never seen a luxury item have commercials for sales. Why? Because the name speaks for itself. If you don't look at somebody and tell them, so your name is going to speak for itself. It's going to. Oh my God, I wish you were sitting next to a faith person. Find you somebody that looks like they got a teaspoon of faith and point to them and say, hey, your name is going to speak for itself. Good God. 
Let's go. It says your name will be exalted and distinguished. It will be different. And you shall be a blessing, a source of great good to others, which means other people will look to you for good. And for some of you, let me tell you what this means, that you will always be called on to pour, doing too much. You will always be called on to pour. You will always be the one that people need to receive something from, which means when you're great, you got to make sure that you make sure you get poured into greatly. Because for some of you, watch me, you're like, people are always pulling on me. That's your answer. That's proof that you're great. People are always calling me. That's proof that you're great. Why? Because they wouldn't pull on you unless you had something to pour. They wouldn't call you unless you had something to pour. See, since you're a source of great good to others, this means your assignment in life is to be surrounded with people that have need of you, which is why God would send you to a man of God that knows how to pour back into you so that you can go out there and pour. But I got to get to church on Wednesday. Why? Because you ninjas are dra draining me. I got to go get a... I got to be faithful to the pop-ups. I got to be faithful to Sunday church. Why? Because I got to get refilled because my life is spent to pour, which means do not be mad when people pull on you. Do not be mad when people uh, receive from you. In fact, for some of you, you need to apologize to the Lord. Say, why, Bishop? Because you got angry that your assignment is actually being fulfilled and you didn't recognize it was being fulfilled because since your assignment is to pour, this means you're surrounded by people, watch me, that need what you got. And since you pour, watch me, you can't pour up, you can only pour down, which means sometimes you will be surrounded in an environment that's always pulling, always needing. And you're like, watch me, God, why is this happening to me? This is proof that you're a source of great blessing and good to others. And here's the best part, because you're great, guess what you got more of? I got more to pour. Oh my God, lay your hands on yourself, say, I never run out, I never run out, I never run out. But as long as I keep getting poured back into, I got more to pour. I got more love to give because I can receive more. I got more wisdom to give because I can receive more. I got more revelation to give because I can receive more. I'm a great nation with a great name and I'm a source of great good. Say great nation with a great name and a source of great good. Now this is God's promise to us. Now he said, Bishop, he wasn't speaking to us. He was speaking to a man named Abram who would later be called Abraham. The significance of the H is the insertion of this term, Yah. God's covenant name. God is actually not his name. God is a 6th century Germanic term uh, um, where we get the word there, Gudan. It literally means source. Say source. Uh, God is not God's name. His covenant name is seen in the scripture L-O-R-D in all caps. When you see that in your Bible, that's his covenant name. His name was so powerful that he said in one of his commandments, don't you take my name in vain. Uh, watch me. You walking around thinking a particular cuss word is taking his name in vain. And that's not his name. God is a title, which means anything can be a God because anything can be a source. This is why you got to be sure when you pray who you talking to. Because for some of y'all, you say, God, this, God, that, and you're really talking to your job because that's your source. God, this, God, that, you're really talking to your kids because you made a God out of them. Because whatever they want, that's what you do. You ready? God means source. His covenant name is Yudhe Wathe. It, it literally, it literally, it literally is Y-H-W-H in the scripture that's his covenant name and and the hebrews would not even utter that name so the high priest they had a symbol called the tetragrammaton that they would put this i can't do it with the mic in my hand but they would put it's basically this hold on watch bam, bam, bam. The, when, the, when the high priest you ready 
would walk in. This is why you see scriptures that say, blessed are those who come in that name. Because when they would walk in, they would have the tetragrammaton on their forehead to tell everybody, I'm coming in his name. The hand signal is Y-H-W-H. Now, pay attention. Why does he go from Abram to Abraham? Because God changes his name. Why does his wife go from Sarai, S-A-R-A-I, to Sarah, the insertion of the H? Why is there an H? Because it's the insertion of Yah. Hear me. Whenever God is going to shift the trajectory of your life, there's an identification change. What do you mean, Bishop? Is that he has to put him in you. So that every time people address you, they're addressing the him in you and not the you that you used to be. Bishop, what are you trying to tell me? This is why people will say, you know, you acting like you all that now that you saved and you a Christian. That's proof that he's now been inserted. Come on, don't, don't move that slow, Wednesday. Don't move that slow. Watch me. God says, I got to insert me in you so that your identity changes because you're not who you used to be. And I'm so glad. I think I got a few witnesses beside myself that can say, I may not be where I want to be, but I can thank God that I'm not where I used to be. He's inserted himself into me. So when you see me, you see him. When you see him, you see me because we are one. So God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Say, he's talking to me. So let's go back to Genesis 12 too, because everything in this verse is to you. And I will make a great nation, which means everything attached to you is to be great. Okay, everything attached to you is to be great, which means if you don't detach good, he will. Bible says that he's a pruner. Say prune. Talk Wednesday, say prune. Bible says that he's a pruner, which, which means to prune something um, means that you cut off the dead because, it, listen, life is being wasted. Water is being wasted. Sunlight's being wasted. Photosynthesis is being wasted on dead cells that are proven they can't produce. So when you prune, you have to cut off the dead stuff so that, watch me, we don't waste any more energy on what's not going to produce anything anyhow. And for some of you all, watch me, it is easier to go from bad to good than it is to go from good to great. So sometimes we begin to settle for things that are attached to us that are good, but they're not great. And so you look at it like, well, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. But God is like, I didn't call you to be good. I called you to be great. So that means if you won't cut it, I'll cut it. If you won't shut it off, I'll shut it off. This is why some of your friendships ended all of a sudden. Why? God said, I told you, you better cut it or I will. Would you look at somebody and say, either you cut it or he will. I will make you a great nation. Everything attached to you has to be at a level of greatness. What do you do when he has to not cut people away from you, but he has to cut personality traits away from you? What do you do when God backs you into a corner and says, we're going to deal with your little attitude problem? What do you do when God backs you into a corner and says, we're going to deal with your doubt? What do you do when God backs you to a corner and says, we're going to deal with your unbelief? Because doubt is believing but struggling sometimes. Unbelief is a conscious choice not to believe. What do you do when God says, oh, I'm going to cut that off of you? And so it's better for you to cut it off yourself. Come here, Bible. If you'll judge yourself, that means if you'll correct yourself by force, God won't have to do it. I'm so glad that God gives me an opportunity to cut it so he ain't got to cut it. Because when he cut it, he don't care if it hurts. 
and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you how? Abundantly. And I will make, say your name. That name is supposed to be great. And you shall be a blessing. Say, I am a blessing. Look at me, you're not trying to get a blessing. You, you, you are a blessing. Which means if I am a blessing, I have to sow it in order to see it. I have to release it in order to receive it. So great people are never afraid to give greatly of themselves. See how quiet it just got? Because you like receiving, but what do you do when your receptivity depends on your release? Right? Right? So this is God's promise to us. Say, this is his promise to me. So Sunday, I taught you how do you handle great? Because if great is mishandled, you'll only seize it for a season when God's promise is that greatness would be attached to you for a lifetime. I want you to say this over your life. Say, I'll be great for the rest of my life. Oh no, this isn't a season. This isn't a moment. This isn't a shooting star. This isn't a flash in a pan. In your 30s, you're going to be great. In your 40s, you're going to be great. In your 50s, you're going to be great. In your 60s, you're going to be great. In your 70s, you're going to be great. In fact, they'll look at your body and say, you're healthier now in your 70s than you were. In your 80s, you're going to be great. In your 90s, you're going to be great. In your 100s, you're going to be great. In your 110s, you're going to be great. In your 120s, and I pray you get to 125 by reason of strength, you will be great. Open your mouth and say, this is for a lifetime. He says, his anger is for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Which means this is supposed to be the way we live forever. Which means there's levels to this, y'all. You don't arrive at a place called great. You Watch me. You continue to uh, advance in a place called great. See, you, when you think you've arrived, you now are in a place called arrogance. And the only thing that can be done for an arrogant or a prideful person is they need a fall. And I don't know who needs this, but I heard the Lord loud and clear. For some of you tonight, God says he's about to cancel your schedule fall because of your pride. Okay, you can look at me like that if you want to. It might be the person next to you, so would you do me a favor, just touch them on the shoulder and say, if there was a, a fall schedule, it's just been canceled. Why? His anger is for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime, which means this will be where I live for the rest of my life. Greatness, what did I teach you on Sunday? Must be handled with honor. So, how can you give something you don't have? Well, God never sets us up that way. So God made us, according to Psalm 8 and 5, he made us a little lower than God himself. And he crowned them, referring to us with what? Glory and honor. Say, I have a crown. And it's glory and it's honor. Okay, I like this. All right. All right. Say it again. Say, I got a crown. And it's glory and it's honor. I really don't believe you have a crown because as low as you're talking, it looks like you got a tiara. Hey, open your mouth and talk. <laughs> Say, I have a crown. Come on, Wednesday. And it's glory and it's honor. So this means God says, when I made you, I didn't make trash. I didn't make junk. I didn't make failures. I didn't make a mistake. When I made you, I made you with glory and with honor. Which is why since you've come out of your mother's womb, the enemy's attack against you has been to get you to think that you were not what he made you to be. This is why you were called stupid and dumb and ugly and too dark and too light and too tall and too white and too fat and too skinny and too this and too that. Because the enemy needed you to have a distorted view of yourself. Because if you don't view yourself properly, you won't view people properly, you won't view God properly, 
you won't properly place yourself. So if you don't know that you've got a crown, you'll walk around with your head down. If you don't know that you were made with glory and honor, you'll walk around thinking that you're trash when you're really a treasure. Come on, say he made me with glory and with honor. Which means that I have the ability to give this to God. I have the ability to give this to people. Why? Because he made me with this. So what did I teach you on Sunday? We get to honor God. Say, I get to honor God. Okay, if you mishandle greatness, it will only be for a season and not for a lifetime. So look at what God says in 1 Samuel 2 and 30. I promise to always let your family serve me as priests. What was the Lord saying? He said, I've made this promise to you that your family was going to stand before me forever. But look what he says. But I cannot do that any longer. What do you do when God says, I can't do this no more? Why? The scripture says, I will honor anybody that what? Honors me. But I will put a curse on anybody that what? Hates me. Pay attention. I showed you on uh, Wednesday that the way that this works, that the way that this works is that it's not that God is trying to do something to hurt you or do something to harm you. What literally is happening is that you got stuff that's coming against you and God says, watch me, I'm going to block what's coming against you. I'm going to block what's trying to get you. I'm going to block what's trying to hurt you. But if you dishonor me, pay attention. God says, I'm going to get out of the way and what was coming at you is going to come get you. Can I tell some of y'all? Watch me. Your honor is what kept you from suicide. Let's talk. Your honor is what kept you out of bad relationships. Your honor for the Lord is what made him step in and protect you from what was trying to take you out. I I know people say you're crazy for honoring God, but what they don't understand is that I'm still here because of my honor for God. I have what I have because of my honor for God. I live where I live and I do what I do because of my honor for God. High five three people and say, honor the Lord, honor the Lord, honor the Lord. Honor the Lord, honor the Lord. Right. So, so what does honor mean? This is how you have to handle greatness. Honor is this Hebrew word kabod. Say kabod. Not kebab, but, but kebab. Here's what it means. It means, number one, to make weighty in two ways. So God says, if you make him weighty, in other words, um, weight determines um, the impact of a thing. God, for some of you, you, some of your family members' voices are weighty. If they say it, it shifts your whole mood. But here's what God says. If you make my words weighty, which means bump what they said, what did my words say? God says, if you make what I say weighty, I'll make what you say weighty. You want to know why cancer has to obey me? It's because I make him weighty. And because I make him weighty, when I speak, he makes my words weighty. Come on, Wednesday, let's get it. If you'll make God weighty, God will make what you speak weighty. So people wonder, why come when you pray, uh, things happen? Because I put weight on his name. And because I put weight on his name, he puts weight on what I say. Why do things happen quickly when you speak it? Why? Because I put weight on his name. And when I speak, he puts weight on what I say. Number two, it means to abound with. What does that mean? It means that if you have a lot of this, God says he's going to make sure that you have a lot. To abound means to have a lot. So God says if you make what I say and you make me a lot, you make me the big portion, I'm going to make sure you always have big portions. Okay, you didn't hear me. This is if, if, you, if, you, if you make sure that I'm the most important thing, 
I will make sure that you are never the least important thing. You're going to abound with favor. You're going to abound with opportunity. Everything, watch me. God says, I will honor those that honor me. That's what he said. So he said, if you abound with me, I'll make sure that you always abound in everything that you do. This means you'll never lack anything. You'll never be in a seat called struggle. You'll never be in a place where, watch me, you're lacking anything. Come on, somebody say, lack is not a part of my life. Look at the next one. Boast about. God says, if you boast about me, I'm going to boast about you. If you run your mouth about me, I'm going to run my mouth about you. Can I give you an example of this? <clears throat> Can I give you an example of this? Okay, let's use David. David was running his mouth about the Lord. How do we know? Because when David was put out and, and, and it's, uh, put to keep his father's sheep, David was isolated by himself. His only environment was other sheep. He didn't have other human interaction. And for some of you, hear me, God is going to teach you more in isolation than he ever could teach you in a crowd. <clears throat> While David is in this place of isolation, uh, David begins to discover he's a songwriter. He begins to discover he's a prophet. He discovers he's a warrior because he has to deal with a lion and a bear. And he has to defend his father's sheep. So David develops this relationship with the Lord and David begins to boast about the Lord. How do you know? Because if you read some of the Psalms that he wrote, he tells you, he says, and I will bless the Lord. My soul makes its boast in the, yeah, come, come on, let's go, let's go, come on, let's go. So, so when David was boasting about God in private, when David was boasting about God and nobody else heard him, what did God go do? He went and tapped Samuel, the man of God, on the shoulder and said, I'm ready for my next king because I'm through fooling with Saul. Saul dishonored me, so I'm about to put somebody else in his seat. And for some of y'all, I came to tell you, you're about to take the seat of who dishonored. The reason your supervisor is giving you so much hell is because you're about to have her seat. The reason you're dealing with so much opposition is because you're about to take a seat. God looks over at Samuel and he taps Samuel on the shoulder. And when he taps Samuel on the shoulder, watch me. He starts boasting about David. Bishop, how do you know he starts boasting about David? Because Samuel walks into Jesse. That's David's father's house. And they know he's on the way. Samuel shows up with his whole entourage. We are here. He couldn't tell them that they were there to anoint the new king. He just said, we're here. Bring me your sons. His sons strut in one after the other. You know, they strutting in because they just know that they got it. But, but watch me. But they didn't boast about him. So when God was ready to pick his next, God didn't boast about who didn't boast about him. See, some people keep wondering, why you keep getting opportunity? Because I boast about the Lord. And so the Lord goes and tells my name to everybody. On the count of three, I'm going to give you one opportunity Wednesday to put your first and last name in the atmosphere. And I pray that God snatch your name and put it in the hearing of anybody that needs you. One, two, three, go. And your name's about to be brought up. And favor's about to find you. And opportunity's about to open for you. Come on, say yes, Lord. Say it again. Say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So seven, seven of Jesse's sons walk in front of Samuel. And Samuel's got the horn of oil. He's got the horn of oil. And he's, he puts the oil over each of the sons. And, and the prophecy says that the one God has chosen, the oil would flow. If God didn't choose them, the oil wouldn't flow. This explains some of your relationships. 
This explains some of your friendships. You want to know why everything's so hard and there's no flow? Because that's not his pick. Hmm? 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 You want to know why everything is so difficult and everything's so hard and the oil doesn't flow? Because God says, that's not my pick. It won't be perfect, but it sure won't be hell to deal with him either. It's quiet in the building. So he puts the horn of oil, no flow. He goes through seven sons. Seven is the biblical number of Shalom. It's the biblical number of completion until he gets to the seven. And when he gets to the seven, he says, this can't be it. There has to be somebody else. Now, Samuel showed up not knowing how many sons Jesse had. Because when you're a man of God, what you do on accident, many people can't do on purpose. He shows up, and when he shows up, God doesn't tell him the details. He just tells him where he's supposed to be. That's a revelation for many of you right there. You want details, and you don't need that. You just need to be where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, and the details are none of your business. Samuel shows up and, and he goes through seven sons. He says, there's got to be somebody else. He says, are all your sons here? Jesse says, there yet remains one. Well, well why would Jesse even, or excuse me, why would Samuel even think to ask the question, are all your sons here? Because when David was boasting about God, God was boasting about David. So that Samuel even thought to himself to ask, well, is this everybody? Didn't I ask you for all your sons when I came? So why would I even ask you that question a second time if what I asked for you should have brought me in the first place? What if I told some of y'all you're about to get a second chance at what you missed the first time? I ain't playing with you Wednesday. I wish you'd touch somebody on the shoulder say you're about to get a second chance at what you missed the first time. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. All right, all right, so what happens? So what happens? So he says, there yet remains one. <sighs> Say, I'm not one. There yet remains one. He's out there tending the sheep. Now, you got to know how David's brothers were because they didn't like him. Because David was great. They were good. So his brothers didn't like him. They talked about him. They said, he think he all that. He always trying to do something. He doing too much and all of that. They had all these issues with them. And for some of you, you need to be okay that the majority of your hate is going to come from your blood. What is that revealing to you? That you're the Joseph in your bloodline. That you're the David in your bloodline. You're the line crosser, the history maker, the boundary breaker. And guess what? Don't even be mad. Let him talk. But let's just give him something to talk about. I... I pray God bless you so abundantly that when they look over at your life, they'll be able to say, I know that God is with you because nobody could have did this but God. Let's go. Let's go. So, David, y'all with me? So, David, David has been boasting about the Lord. So, he gets to the final. He gets to the final. He says, well, bring him here. Samuel says, we're not sitting down until David comes into the house. Watch me, because when you, watch me, boast about the Lord, the Lord is going to go tap somebody's shoulder and begin to boast about you. So he stands there and he waits. You're about to hear these words. We've been waiting for you. You're about to hear these words. Where have you been? You're about to hear these words. You're exactly what we need him. You're about to hear these words. You're exactly what we are looking for. David walks into the house. Samuel 
puts the oil up. And guess what starts happening? The oil starts flowing. It does on the eighth time what it never did on the first seven times. Which means when you're great, you know how to wait until you're eight. Eight is the biblical number of a new beginning. And if you pay attention to the series graphic, we use the text way to say great, G-R-8, because people that are great are never afraid of a new beginning. People that are great are never afraid of going through some counterfeits to get to their fifth. They're never afraid to go through some challenges before they conquer. I'm so glad you're not sitting next to a punk. I'm so glad you're not streaming with a punk. What you mean, Bishop? Somebody that gives up at six when they only have to wait until eight. Somebody that gives up at five when they only have to wait until eight. I don't know who needs this encouragement, but please touch somebody on the shoulder. Say, wait until you're eight. Wait, wait. Type it in the comments. Wait until you're eight. Don't you give up. Don't you throw in the towel. I know you're tired. Wait. I know you want to give up. Wait. I know you're frustrated. Wait. I know you want to cuss. Wait. I know you want to walk away. Wait until you get to your Then it means to glorify. God says, if you glorify me, I'll glorify you. It means to treat as great. God says, you treat me great, I'll treat you great. Watch me. So you, here's how you know. Here's how you know. Here's how you know that you're surrounded by people who don't belong in your life. It is that they have a problem when you're treated great. Somebody does something for you. Yeah, I saw they got you that little card. I saw they got you this little thing. I saw they got you. Watch me. Watch me. God says, if you treat me great, I'm going to treat you great. I'll have you treated like royalty. See, okay. okay. I'll bring you in rooms that you're going to wonder, how did I get in this room? I'll have you in places that you'll wonder, how did I get in this place? So on Monday, on Monday, on Monday, on Monday, I had a dark 30 flight to Atlanta. And, and I told you all on Sunday at the 11.15 that uh, someone, um, someone just, I just want to help you. I want to help you. I want to do all this. And so uh, make a long story short, uh, they didn't say they were a billionaire. They didn't have to. Because where we met. So, 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 so we, we're up. Uh, we're up at this prestigious place where members of this club are the Home Depot family and, and you know, $7 billion and all that. And I said, Lord, what am I doing in here? He said, well, you he said, you treat me great. See, I can tell, I can tell, I can tell. Would you tell somebody close to you say, treat God great, God going to treat you great. He God will have you sitting in rooms and you're like, how did I get here? God will have you doing things when you'll say, how did this happen? And it's bigger than cash, cars, and clothes. God will have somebody encourage you right when you need it the most. God will have somebody to push you right when you need it the most. If you treat him great, God's going to make sure that people treat you great. Then it means to develop. God says, if you develop your relationship with me, I'll develop things in your life. If you develop this thing with me, I'll make sure that your life is developed. If you make me heavy and important, I'll make you heavy and important. What does that mean? That when you lean on a situation, you'll get exactly what you want. Okay, all right, all right. Watch me. For many of you, you, sometimes you're in situations where you feel helpless because you cannot seem to get what it is that you desire out of a situation. God says, I'm going to show you a way to be important real fast. Make me important and make me heavy. And when you call, I'm going to make you important and I'm going to make. What would happen? Watch me. If you didn't have to uh, uh, fight with nobody to get what you wanted, you just put your weight on an issue. 
You make one phone call and say, you know, this is so-and-so. Oh, wait a minute, ma'am. We're going to take care of this because it's you. Wait a minute, sir. We're going to take care of this because it's you. This is God's promise to you. Then it means to bring to. God says, if you will bring, ask me, if you'll bring everything to me, I'm going to always bring you to your answer. If you'll bring everything to me, honor me by coming to me before you run to your mama. Honor me by coming to me before you run to gossip. If you bring everything to me, I will bring everything you need to you. And then come to. God says, if you will come to me consistently, I'm going to make sure that what you need comes to you. Watch me. All you're going to have to do is open up your hands. Because since, watch me, because you always come to me, I'm going to make sure that what you need, you ready? Catch. It's going to come to you. Y'all not saying nothing. Y'all not saying nothing. I'm going to make sure that what you need. You're going to be sitting at your desk and the email going to show up with what you need. You're going to be, mm. God, I wish I had faith in this building. I wish you just say everything I need is coming to me. Yep. Yeah, I ain't going to have to chase it. I'm not going to have to look for it. It's going to find me. It's going to track me down. Why? Because if I come to him, he'll make sure everything that I need comes to me. Here's these last definitions. To treat as nobility. Say nobility. God says, if you treat me as royalty, I'll have you treated that way. He says, but if you treat me like trash, it's the same way I'm going to have you treated. God says, I'm on what you want. I'm going to match your energy. God says, if you fight for me, I will fight for you. And fighting for God does not mean being judgmental to other people. Fighting for God just simply means you don't get to talk about God in my presence. You don't get to talk about church in my presence. You don't get to talk about men and women of God in my presence. You bring that mess over here like it's smoking the city in Denver. That's what it's going to be in your house. You bring that mess over here. It's going to be. I landed today and thought the city's on fire. God says, I will set somebody on fire if you'll fight for me. Promote me. God says, if you promote me, I'll promote you. God says, if you make my thing a big deal, I'll make your thing a big deal. This is why we invite people to church. God says, if you promote me, I'll promote you. You won't need a marketing company. God says, I'll push your brand. You won't need what everybody else needs. God says, I will promote you. Then it means to go to and to do for while sore. God says, if you will do for me while it's hurting, when you're sore, I'm going to make sure that you always sore this is why sometimes watch me your greatest praise isn't when you get a breakthrough your greatest praise is when watch me you're in the middle of a breakdown I need to check this room in the building and online to find those people that can say I didn't just learn him learn how to praise him when something amazing was happening I learned how to praise him in a valley I learned how to praise him in tight spaces I learned how to praise him in tight situations and because I went while I was sore he always makes sure that I sore last definition it means to stop what dishonors him God says honoring me is not respectfully doing what you want to do Honoring me is you stop doing what dishonors me. Y'all ready? Now, honor is seen in what you do and, what you, and how you do it. We're almost done. Honor is seen in what you do and how you do it. Honor is what? Seen in what you do. And listen to this last part, how you do it. Because most people think that they're honorable, but when we examine your fruit, we discover that it's not. Okay? Look at Jeremiah 48 and 10. A curse is on anyone who is lax. And doing the Lord's work. So watch me. So you take care of everything else. But when it comes to God's stuff, 
See how quiet I just got in the building? See, see how quiet I just got? See, because it's easy to speak honor. It's easy to say honor. But watch me. It's a much more challenging task to do honor and to do honor well. But I need you to open your mouth and say, but I'm a person of honor. I'm a curse is on anyone who is lax in doing the Lord's work. A curse is on anyone who keeps their sword from bloodshed. Question, question. What are you lax in? What are you lazy in? What are you sloppy in? What are you last minute in? What are you procrastinating in? Because God says, if it's my stuff, if it's my stuff, you just open yourself up to where I was blocking for you. Let's go. I was blocking for you. But the moment I saw your lazy dishonor, I said, oh, no, you can help. You can get them. And then you'll say, but God, how is this happening to me? And I'm faithfully serving you. Faithful doesn't mean well. You might be consistent, but consistently sloppy. Y'all ain't going to talk and I'm going to preach it now. Come on, open your mouth and say, Lord, don't let me be lax. So this is why my praise isn't lax. Why? Because you ain't going to catch me slipping. This is why when I serve, it's not lax. Why? You're not going to catch me slipping. It baffles me how people got so much going on in their life and you can't give God four hours out the week to serve him with some level of excellence. Yet you want God 24-7 like it's a 7-Eleven. You ain't saying nothing and I'm going to preach harder right through here. Would you touch somebody please and say, don't be lax. God says a curse is on anybody. I was blocking. I was blocking. I was blocking. I was blocking. But when I saw you begin to get sloppy with me while giving everybody else your hundred, I said, get them. I ain't blocking for you. Okay, run the play again. <laughs> run the play. All right. God says, God says, it's the blue 22. There you go. Okay. <laughs> and that's the one play I know. Because them other plays, I'll be like, I'm just blocking, blocking. It's <laughs> the one play I knew. You ready? All right, watch me. All right, all right, go. All right, here's the thing. God says, okay, so everybody else gets excellence but me. So God says, okay, well, since everybody else gets excellence but me, what I was blocking, I'm going to get out the way. You didn't even recognize how much your, your, your excellence was You didn't recognize how much your honor was doing for you until he let somebody come snatch you up. Okay, run it one more time. Run it one more time. One more time. All right, go. God says, God says, I, you speak honor, but you ready? But honor sometimes may hurt because you, you won't get as much sleep as you want it. You're not going to get as much free time as you wanted to sit around and do nothing, no, how. You, you may not have as much couple time as you wanted. And it's funny how the only time y'all want to have couple time is when it's time to serve. Listen. Talk to me. You ready? You may not have as much you time. And the truth is you don't need to be with you because you and your thoughts sometimes are destructive. For some of you, the only reason you ain't dead now is because God don't let you spend that much time with yourself. The only reason you ain't at the club on a Wednesday night right now preparing to drop something that you shouldn't drop. 
But you need to pick up, put it on a warmer. Y'all ready? Because some of y'all, you, you need to quit trying to drive. You need to stop. You don't need to drop. You need to stop dropping and roll. It's too much. You ready? God says, God says, God says, everything else gets your focus. He says, but, but when it comes, look at this, but when it comes to doing my work, when it comes to doing stuff for me, for my glory, for my sake, for my church, the same place that's blessing you, you got a problem being a blessing too? You that busy? Should have some fruit for it. <laughs> See, y'all should learn me by now. When you get quiet on me, I don't think you get it. So I got to push it. Now run the play. Because see, you didn't realize how f so many years have kept you good. You didn't realize how much your honor has kept away from you. And sometimes every now and then when you slip into these little moments of dishonor, God says, move, move out the way. I'm going to let something happen just to show you that when you're off your assignment, and when you're off your excellence and you're off your honor, what you open to yourself. Lift your hands. Worship God for five seconds. Five, four, three. Say, Lord, restore my honor for you. Come on, Wednesday, in the building and online. Come on, YouTube. Come on, Facebook. Say, Lord, restore my honor for you. Say it again. Say, Lord, restore my honor for you. So look, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Let me show you these two quick examples and we out. You good? Yes, sir. This is Jesus speaking. A prophet is not dishonored except in his hometown, amongst his own relatives, and in his own household. So where will you find dishonor fastest? Your hometown. Which is why for some of you, you will only be what God created you to be when you get out of yours. Why? Because everybody remembers you as, as little... little Little bit. But you ain't a little bit no more. You a whole mogul. <laughs> you a generational curse breaker. You a line crosser. You a first millionaire in your bloodline. And you don't need to be reminded of who you were. You need people around you that can celebrate who you are becoming. Come on, open up your mouth. Say, he's making me great. All right, look, a prophet is not dishonored except in his hometown amongst his what? His own relatives. Notice he don't say family because there's a difference between family and relatives. One day Jesus was preaching and his mother and brothers come up and they try to interrupt him. I mean, they try to interrupt him. They tap one of his guys and Jesus is like, um, uh, they said, Jesus, your mother and brother outside. He's like, who is my mama? Who is my brothers? He points to the 12. Watch me, including Judas, who he knew was a traitor. He said, Judas is, watch me, Judas as a traitor is more loyal than you all as blood. That's a whole revelation. That's a whole revelation. So watch me. So he points to the 12. He says, this is my mother. This is my father. This is my brothers. This is my sister. Whoever does the will of my Lord. So Jesus made a distinction between family and relatives. They're not the same. See, relatives means that we share common ancestry. Family means we're headed in the same direction. This means some of your family may not be related to you. 
He says, a prophet is not dishonored except in his hometown amongst his own relatives. Watch me. And in his own household. What does this mean? People that have seen you mature. Some people that have seen your process don't respect it. You didn't hear what I just said. Because they keep reminding you, you all up in church now, but remember when you was at Club Sugar Daddy? Y'all ain't going to talk. A prophet is not dishonored except in his hometown, amongst his own relatives and his own household. Look at the Bible. Look at the Bible. Look at the Bible. Verse 5. He could not do any miracle there. Say, he couldn't do a miracle. Except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Verse 6. And he was amazed that there was unbelief. Now, doubt means I'm struggling to believe, but I believe. Unbelief means I'm consciously choosing not to believe. What did they do? They looked at him, then they dishonored him. So dishonor always brings deficit. Because the Bible says he healed, what? A few sick people. Well, it was more than that that needed healing. Here's the trip. What you dishonor, you can never withdraw from. So he was amazed at their unbelief. Jesus is like, y'all need what I got. I got what you need. You don't have what I need. You ready? He said, but I'm going to walk out of here. <laughs> David reference said, I'm walking away from love. <laughs> David said, you really need what I have. But because you dishonor it, I'm going to walk out with my full cup. And look what he said. And I'm going to the next village. I'm going to the next city. I'm going to the next place. Because y'all will make me think something is wrong with me. So I have to make sure I'm in an environment that honors what it is that uh, he was producing. Because if it's not honored, watch me, Jesus will think, well, what's wrong with me? Nothing is wrong with you, Jesus. You're just in an environment that has dishonored you. So now you have to watch me withdraw. And dishonor always produces deficit. It always produces deficit. It always produces deficit. This message is called Great Honor, Great Harvest. Y'all know me. I'll tell you the title normally at the end. You know, and that, sometimes I tell you up front. I like to leave you hanging, you know. So here's the last set of scripture. You ready? In Acts. Say great, great honor, great harvest. This is where you're at. This is where you're at. Acts 28 and 7. So Paul and some prisoners that are on their way to Rome. Say he's on his way to Rome. They're shipwrecked. Um, it's a real bad storm. It's a Eurocliton, you know. It's a, it's, it's a real bad storm. And this bad storm tears the ship up. They tow the ship up, and, and they literally, they hold on the broken pieces to make it to this island called Malta. That's a revelation for some of you. You don't need the whole ship. You can make it on broken pieces. I don't know who needs to be encouraged, but for some of you, you're like, Bishop, my plan is breaking apart. You don't need the whole plan. I just need one piece. Would you encourage somebody next to you, please, so you can make it on broken pieces. So, so we, they make it to this island called Malta, right? Nobody ends up dying. These natives who were not believers... They're natives of this island. Bible says um, that they um, that they welcome Paul. They start a fire. Say they start a fire. You you know the verses before this because um, when they start a fire, this viper 
comes and it bites Paul on the hand. And everybody's looking around thinking he must have did something wrong. Some people don't understand that some of your trouble is not because of your disobedience. It's because of your obedience. Did you not know that obedience brings storms too? Ready? So, 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 so the viper bites on Paul. And when the viper bites on Paul, they're looking at him like he about to die. Paul walks over to the fire. Because Paul is like, bruh. Do you know who you're talking to? Do you know what I've been through? I've been stoned to death and I got back up again. I've been lied on, cheated, talked about, mistreated. Anybody in the building beside me, you got a testimony where you can say, God. Paul is like, I've been through some things. And Paul is like, if you think I'm this close to Rome, I'm going to shout. If you think I'm this close to my promise, and I'm finna let you be. Uh-uh. I need to make sure I got some warriors in the room and online. Because some of you got a little snake bite that's trying to block you and stop you right now. But I need you to let the devil know it's not gonna work. On three, release a great praise and say it won't work. One, two, three, it won't work. Put a praise behind that. Go. Go. Won't work. Won't work. Won't work. Do you know what I've overcome? Do you know what I've beaten? Do you know what I've survived? Do you know what I've ran through? Do you know what I had to beat and conquer? Look at somebody say, it will not work. Paul, Paul, Paul is like, Paul is like, are you joking? This the best you got? A viper is not like other snakes. A python constricts you. Other snakes bite you. It's the venom that kills you. A viper is attracted to your heat. They can't see. They only sense movement by virtue of heat. Which means they only attack moving targets. Let me see if I can say it another way. They only attack where they see there's heat. And for some of y'all, watch me. You don't even recognize that you are such a target because you're moving forward and you on fire. What made you a target is that you're not stagnant. What made you a target is that you are not stuck. Paul looks at the snake. Paul literally is like, I'm not even doing this today. This is what some of y'all need to do. Paul walks over. He don't, he don't grab it by the head. He doesn't rip it up. Mm -mm, Paul. Now here's my question. If it's fangs embedded into Paul's flesh, how did he shake it off? It's because you were attracted to my fire, but you can't handle my fire. You are about to get burned. You shouldn't have started nothing with me. I need to make sure I got some gladiators in the building. I need to make sure I got some warriors in the building and don't lie. Open up your mouth, please, and say, I got to shake it off. I got to shake it off. I got to shake it off. (laughs) 
So after Paul survived, they look at him like he about to die. They're like, he's about to die. For some of you, they've been counting down. When is, when is she going to give up? When is he going to give up? When is he going to stop? When are they going to quit? Is there anybody in the building where you know there's some people who've been counting you down? Can I be honest? Is there anybody in this building you've been counting yourself down? Like, I'm not sure how much longer I can go. I'm not sure how much longer I can survive. I'm sorry to disappoint the enemy, but you are not going out with this. You're not dying from this. You're not losing from this. You're not going under for this. Please, one more time, Wednesday, we got to close. Say, I got to shake it off. Look at the verse. So, after Paul survives this, everybody stand. We got to go. Everybody stand in the middle of the line. After Paul survives this, look what happens. They welcome him into the home of one of the leading officials on the island. They show him generous hospitality. For how long? Three days. Go to the next verse. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Now say these, say these were not Christians. These were not believers. Paul went in to see him. After prayer, he placed his hands on him and healed him. Next verse. When this happened, the rest of the sick on the whole island came and all of them were cured. They honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. After three months, let's go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. Three days of great honor. Gave them three months of great harvest. Which means the return ratio is that every day I walk in honor, I get a month of harvest. Please open your mouth. Say, God, make me a person of honor in everything that I do. Great honor, great harvest. Great honor, great harvest. Great honor, great harvest. Release a praise right there, Wednesday. Grab the hand of the person next to you. Grab the hand of the person next to you in the building. Online, stretch your hands towards me. If there's somebody there with you, grab their hand. Jesus could only heal a few. When the people operated with honor, everybody got healed. Harvest, if we are a people of honor, everybody going to get what they need. We honor God. We honor leaders. We honor one another. It's our core value. That's who we are. 
You can't say you honor God and you dishonor the voice that God gives you. You can't say that you honor God and you dishonor one another. Say, God, make us a people of honor. All day. Every day. Three days. Got them three months, y'all. Squeeze the hand to the person. Say, I pray right now for the hand that I hold that they would be a person of honor all the days of their life. I pray right now that they would walk in such a way where they handle greatness with honor. I pray that their honor will bring honor quick, fast, and in a hurry. Sudden, fast, forward, movement in Jesus' name. Everybody look at me. Hold on to that hand. Hold on to that hand. Hold on to that hand. Look at me. Those people weren't expecting Paul, a man of God, to show up. But when he showed up and they honored, they weren't even Christians. But honor is so powerful that it'll work for an unbeliever. If it'll work for an unbeliever, how much more will it work for us? So squeeze that hand and say, I pray that you see the unexpected. Come on, online, you stretch your hands towards me. There's nobody there. You touch somebody close to you. Say, I pray that you experience uncommon favor, uncommon breakthrough, uncommon blessing. All things are going to work together for your good. These next three months, Come on, Wednesday, say these next three months. God, we see the exchange rate. For every day we walk in honor. That brings a month of harvest. Now lock this in the hand that we hold. Every time they want to be dishonorable, convict them. Make it difficult to be dishonorable. Make it difficult for us to be dishonorable. Make it difficult for us to be dishonorable. Let it be repulsive to us. Let it be disgusting to us. Let it be something that we don't desire to do nor be around. Let us be people of honor. We honor you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. All day. In every way. You can drop that hand. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you need to become a Christian. You can release the praise right there. If you need to become a Christian, tonight's your night. Secondly, if you give into your life to the Lord, you've not been faithful, tonight's your night. Thirdly, if you're like, Bishop, I don't know where things stand with God, but I want to be sure tonight's your night. If you're in this building, you slip your hand up. If you're online, you're the hand wave emoji, say it's me. No guilt, no condemnation, no shame. God's not mad, God's not angry. God's not trying to beat you up or beat you down. One, two, three, if that's you, hands up in this building, online, you're the hand wave emoji, say it's me. 
Harvest, we clap to celebrate when people come to the Lord. Guys, during the decision, everybody look at me. During decisions, I need you all to help me birth babies. It's called being born again. And so we don't just spectate going from henceforth and forever after, whether it's online or whether it's in a building. When it's decision time and invitation time, I need you praying because there might be something in the person next to you that's trying to stop them. And I need, we need scales to fall off our eyes and off our ears. We need hurt to be healed. We need a distrust of God to be healed. We need a distrust for some of leadership and men of God to be healed. So whenever it's invitation time, somebody say, we, we birth them out. So that's what I need us to do. Henceforth and forever after. Everybody pray this for me. Say, Father, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for your love for me. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and my Savior. Give me the grace to be a faithful Christian. From this day forward, if I fall or if I fail, give me the grace to get back up again. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, recommitted yourself to the Lord, you're sure. Scan that QR code on the screen or text HARVEST to 55498. Some of you are saved, but you need a shepherd. HARVEST is the hybrid church, so you don't have to live in Denver or Atlanta. You can be anywhere across America and around the world and be a part of the HARVEST family. You do that same number. Just just one number to text. If you've been around for a while, we used to have a bunch of different text numbers. Now it's simple. Let's text HARVEST to 55498. Did you make a decision to become a Christian for the first time or recommit your life to Jesus? We want to help you make Christianity at lifestyle and not just a hobby so just text the word decision to 55498 and we'll send simple next steps so you know what to do next we're praying for you and congratulations remember your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you so bless what blesses you and our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give remember to love god love people and love life Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. To those who visit Mickey D's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee, give this Mickey D's brew a second chance. The glow up was real. Try any size iced coffee brewed with 100% Arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with a savory sausage McMuffin with egg for $2.79. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.